Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. Do you love time machines, musicals, and jokes? Of course you do. That's why Story Pirates creator Danny Teeger made a brand new podcast called Musical Time Machine. Who says you can't have a dance party while learning about diverse trailblazers? From Abraham Lincoln and Harriet Tubman to George Washington Carver and Thomas Edison. Search for Musical Time Machine on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to join the fun. Hey again, Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of the strangest and spookiest tales on the planet. Today is another chilling tale. This puzzling tale, Story Club members, might make you contemplate the conundrums of your life. It's one I call House of Mystery. While I've told you many stories with my best friend, Willow Yates, I've never told you how we first met. It's definitely one for the history books, or at least for this totally awesome rockin' podcast. So, if you've been tuning in, beloved listeners, I mentioned earlier in Willow's Haunted Happening that she and I attended Grimsbridge High School in West Seattle. We met during our early formative years there. It was in September at the Puyallup Fair. There is an exhibit called House of Mystery, which was basically your run-of-the-mill spook house. You know what I'm talking about, they're at most carnivals. Being a girl who carefully stared in her closet each and every morning to select which shade of black I'd wear for the day, I was all about anything with the words monster or haunted or mystery. The carnival attraction had some painted skeletons on the outside of a mock Victorian house, and there were canned recorded screams emanating from within. Naturally, like the proverbial moth to the flame, I was attracted. So I went inside, and it wasn't really anything too special. It was more like a fun house than a haunted house. It had a maze, some wacky mirrors, and some fake cobwebs you had to step through. There were these other girls from Grimsbridge High School, Monica Desmond and her two friends, Jessica Price and Amber Beatty. They really had a thing for me, and not in a good way. Monica was the one who started that whole cruel Icky Ivy campaign about yours truly. They thought it was a good idea to go into the house of mystery with their caramel apples and cotton candy and to accidentally stick them in my hair and clothes to ruin them. Somehow they managed to slip their carnival food past the ticket taker who was too busy talking to two girls. It was such a bummer because if you'd seen my hair at the time, it was actually pretty cool. Jet black and ratted out, so it almost looked like a dark octopus on my head. It matched my dark clothing. Yeah, I kinda took my fashion tips from Lydia Dietz in the Beetlejuice cartoons and Wednesday Addams from the Addams Family, just a couple of my personal favorites. So there I was, minding my own business in the rather lame house of mystery, which was anything but, and then Monica, Jessica, and Amber bumped into me. I felt the stickiness on my neck. Monica said, oops, and Jessica said, hey, it's not Icky Ivy anymore, it's Sticky Ivy, and the girls started howling at the joke and snapping pictures of me looking like I crawled out of a cotton candy tumbler. Ugh, people. But what they didn't realize, though, is that Willow Yates had stalked in behind them. She later told me that she wasn't too sure what Monica and her friends were going to do, but she was pretty sure it was something insidious. So she followed, and then recorded their cruel prank on her phone. Monica and her friends weren't expecting that. 
Willow said if they didn't apologize to me and help to clean me up, she would post it on social media and it'd go viral. It would ruin Monica's reputation, as she was the president, ironically enough, of the Nice Girls Club, where they volunteer to do kind things in the community, especially for the disabled and the elderly. The bluff worked. I received an apology, and Monica paid me $40 toward my dry cleaning bill. After that, Willow Yates and I were steadfast friends. She said she always admired my individual spirit, but she never knew what to say to me. It turned out we had so much in common, like for instance, sappy romance movies. Yeah, believe it or not, beloved listeners, I do have a softer side. I don't only watch scary movies, you know? Willow and I also share a love of vacations in exotic, warm places and soup. Yeah, we're huge soup fans. She's a bean girl, where I tend to go more for the butternut bisque. So, now you know how we met. It's been my mission to get my good friend Willow to appreciate more scary stuff, movies and haunted places. But it hasn't worked quite yet. We'll see though. After all, what are friends for? <laughs> Hello again, Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host with the most and keeper of the strangest, spookiest tales on Earth. Today is another Ivy's chilling tale. This mechanized tale, Story Club members, might make you reconsider adopting that stray cyborg. It's one I call the runaway robot cat. Michelle Nevins always wanted a cat, but she couldn't have one because she had a deathly allergic reaction to them. <laughs> so she spent much of her time watching cat videos online, which always made her happy, but at the same time, deeply sad as she couldn't enjoy a furry feline of her own. Then one day, everything changed. Michelle was riding her bike home from school and a cat, an orange streak, bolted across the road, nearly causing her to crash. The animal seemed scared, like something had been chasing it, but she didn't see any critters hanging back. Michelle climbed off her bike and ran into the nearby woods to locate the cat, which she knew was probably terrified. Searching around the maze of greenery, she discovered the cat hiding in a hollow, a fallen tree. She didn't get too close to it because of her dangerous allergies, which could cause her throat to swell up and stop her breathing. Uh, hey, little one, Michelle said, bending down. The cat made some purting sounds that almost sounded like bird chirps. The cat was wearing a black collar that had a silver tag. Apparently, it belonged to someone. Without getting too close to the scared animal, she read it. Property of the Dawkins National Laboratory. Call if found. There was a number. She pulled out her phone and was about to call, but then stopped. You're a laboratory cat. Maybe you're running away from cruel and unusual experiments. I'm not gonna call. The cat emitted a series of perts, which seemed to signify its satisfaction with her decision. What's your name, Pert Pert? You know what? That's what I'm gonna call you. Well, Pert Pert, I can't pick you up, so I'm gonna have to go get my friend who can. Then she can bring you home and you'll be safe. The cat ventured out from its shelter, and then something strange happened. The top of its skull opened and a tiny radar dish rose, then rotated, beeping. Then it stopped, fixing on something. The cat's yellow eyes lit up red, flashing. The cat, who was clearly only feline in appearance, leapt into her arms. Michelle almost dropped it, thinking she'd have her inevitable allergic reaction and need to be rushed to the hospital. But it didn't happen. She didn't have any kind of hypersensitivity to this animal, or robot, or cyborg. She didn't know what it was. What Michelle did know, however, was that something came crashing through the trees. Something at least 10 feet tall. When it emerged from the trees, 
She couldn't believe her eyes. It was a mouse, a giant mouse. Except, how could a mouse be so huge? It had red glowing eyes, and it made a shrill electronic sound when it found that robotic cat she held in her arms. The monster mouse had to be from Dawkins' lab too. It was the only explanation. The escaped giant science rodent lumbered after them. She took off, carrying the cat in her arms. Apparently, the gigantic aggressor was after the cat and was locked into it with radar the same way the cat was locked into the titanic rodent. The world's gone insane, Michelle thought. And I must be dreaming. But she wasn't. This was all a frightening reality. As she was dashing away from the pursuer, Michelle tripped over a log, crashing to the ground and striking her head hard on the forest floor. Pale stars flashed in front of her eyes. The monster mouse from the lab was almost upon her. In another moment, it would, what, smash her, eat her? The possibilities were too terrible to fathom. Pert Pert charged the behemoth rodent, a true battle of David versus Goliath. The cat scrambled up the side of the rodent, the mouse reared up, trying to knock its tiny feline attacker off its furry back. The mouse's tail whipped around, almost like the tail of a scorpion, and that's when she saw it had some kind of stinger at the end of it. The monster mouse is some kind of war machine, Michelle thought. The cat dodged the deadly thrust of the stinger, until the mouse stuck the back of its own head accidentally. The scarlet eyes of the monster mouse robot flashed a rainbow of colors before they faded to black, succumbing to its own toxins. Pert Pert leapt from the massive inert form and back into her arms. You saved me, Pert Pert. Michelle held the little cat robot close. Now I'm not going to let you go back to that creepy old lab. Let's get you home. Michelle returned to her bike that she left on the side of the road, clutching the robot cat under one arm and riding home as fast as she could. She was so happy she found a cat she wasn't allergic to. Although, she didn't know how long she and Pert Pert had together. Who did? Ah, uh, I love a story about a human and an artificial being finding love and friendship, don't you? That's the kind of technological tale that always feels fresh and well-oiled to me. <laughs> Do you like to laugh? Ah, uh, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you. And the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, Story Club members! I'm Ivy, your ghostly host with the most, and keeper of the strangest, spookiest tales on Earth. Today is another Ivy's chilling tale. This haunting tale, Story Club members, might make you bolt the doors and snap on all the lights. It's one I call the Horror of Amityville. One of the most famous haunted houses in history resides in the residential town of Amityville in Long Island, New York. 
Back in the late 1970s, it was the subject of TV show specials, a best-selling book published in 1977 that's still in print, and a hit movie in 1979 that spawned dozens of sequels, spin-offs, and imitators. But what was the true story of what happened in that house on Ocean Avenue in suburban Amityville? The Dutch colonial house was purchased by the DeFeos, a family of seven. Ronald DeFeo Sr. and his wife, Louise, had five children, including Ronald DeFeo Jr. In the early hours of the morning on November 13, 1974, the 23-year-old Ronald killed his entire family with a firearm. During one of his defense claims, DeFeo said that voices told him to do it. He was soon convicted and locked up for the rest of his life. One year later, George and Kathy Lutz, along with their two boys and girls, moved into the house in December 1975. They didn't seem to mind the house's bad reputation. However, only after 28 days in the new place, they ran off into the January night, leaving all their possessions behind. They claimed the house was haunted by paranormal activity. The story was soon a national sensation, and famous paranormal investigators came to check out the place. After the chart-topping book was published, it captured readers' imaginations worldwide. Then, the hit Hollywood movie sealed the deal for Amityville as a legend and famous haunted history. Though many said that the loot story was a hoax and only an opportunity to capitalize on the home's notorious past, others believed that the stories of evil spirits dwelling in the house are absolutely real. However, many owners have lived in the house since the Lutzes fled in 1976 and have reported no paranormal activity. Was the horror of Amityville a hoax? Or are the spirits merely resting, waiting to pop out again someday? When Willow Autumn and I were in New York during the December holidays to do some shopping and see some Broadway shows, we decided to drive out to the Amityville house on Ocean Avenue. We couldn't get too close as it's a private residence, though the house gets visitors and looky-loos every day. The address of the house was changed, and its telltale quarter-moon windows were altered to hide the distinctive appearance of the house. But we knew right where to go. We parked down the street from the house and strolled up to it one chilly December night among the holiday lights adorning neighboring homes lining the road. What were we hoping for? Well, I was hopeful that Autumn Nash, my psychic medium bestie, would pick up some paranormal vibes from the place. We stood on the sidewalk in front of the world-famous house. Though Willow Yates wasn't quite as scared of ghosts now as she'd been in in our earlier exploits, she still hung back. The dark history of the house upset her, and she wanted no part of it. Can't say that I blame her. It was terrible what happened to the DeFeo family. A really horrible, tragic crime. Autumn said she could only pick up faint vibrations coming from the direction of the house. As it was too cold to stand around, and noticing a few neighbors staring at us from their windows, we decided to hoof it back to the car and call it a night. Maybe tomorrow we'd head out to the rural town of Sleepy Hollow in upstate New York and check out that place Washington Irving made famous with his immortal story. Hey, look, Willow said. Look behind that tree. When we turned, we saw a young boy hiding near a tree in the yard of the house. His eyes seemed to glow. He resembled the glowing eye boy you could easily find on the internet when you looked up Amityville. Were his eyes really glowing, or was it a boy wearing glasses and the glow was just the holiday lights reflecting off the lenses? In any case, I tried to snap a picture, but the boy then vanished behind the tree. I didn't have the courage to run up and see if he was hiding or if he dematerialized. 
Our stomachs rumbling and our bones chattering, we climbed back into the car and drove to an all-night diner for a breakfast-for-dinner feast of waffles and hash browns. That definitely warmed us back up and sent our spirits soaring again. And what of the spirits back in Amityville? Were they fact or fiction? Myth or reality? We may never, ever know. <laughs> But you know what we all do know? That listening to Story Club and your other favorite Go Kid Go shows ad-free rocks. Autumn, Willow, and I were listening to the Go Kid Go channel the entire drive home after our Amityville adventure. So take a page out of our book and go listen to Story Club and all the other Go Kid Go shows 100% ad-free by joining Go Kid Go subscription channel on Apple Podcasts. Come on, uninterrupted episodes of Story Club, Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, Floosville, and Whale of a Tale and more? Yes, please. And, of course, come back tomorrow for another episode with yours truly, because every Story Club member deserves a little scare every day. Ivy out! Go, kid, go! You probably think you know fairy tales. Cinderella, Little Red Riding Hood. You probably think that they're cute and boring. But the real stories aren't cute and boring at all. The grim fairy tales were weird and sometimes gross and often scary. And in the podcast Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, you can listen along with a group of other kids as I tell them those tales. The episodes are sometimes grim, Sometimes grimmer, and sometimes grimmest. But no matter how creepy it gets, we'll always have a great time guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and discussing what these tales mean to us. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now, wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes. <laughs>